0: Log Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the 563rd edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. Get your daily reading from me and other writers at Rebel News Network. But as always, this show is about American soccer. The chat room is open. Come on in. Discuss amongst yourselves if you like. And if you have a question for me, I'll try to answer it to the best of my abilities. Well, for those of you wondering, curious, or have already read about it, the 2023 CONCACAF Gold Cup will be played on the dates between June 16th to July 16th. And that means for one month, we will have preliminary qualifiers and, and... The tournament will begin on June 24th, and the final will be on July 16th. And that means, ladies and gentlemen, that CONCACAF Nations League, once the World Cup uh, concludes uh, this coming December, we worry about those final two matches in group play in the CONCACAF Nations League to see who goes directly to the Gold Cup, and who will be in the preliminary qualification rounds to make those final three spots. And the draw will be on April 14th by CONCACAF, and we'll find out if there will be any TV. Obviously, they will be on CONCACAF's YouTube page, but we will see if... The draw will be broadcasted on Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports 2. We'll wait and see when that happens. Of course, TUDN, as always. And now, the World Cup. Three weeks' time. It's coming. Qatar. 2022 World Cup in Qatar as we get ready for this World Cup in the winter. And we'll wait and see what's going to happen there. But let me just say this. As all of you have been watching, looking, predicting the roster for 26 players selected by Greg Berhalter, who will be selected? Who will join their fellow teammates on the national team for this World Cup? Injuries have now come into play. Goal scoring or lack of goal scoring has now come into play. And now the question marks are starting to come. And those question marks are... ...coming from Europe and abroad, and who's coming from MLS... And what decisions will Greg Berhalter make? Because as of right now, we are seeing moments of uncertainty with Chris Richards, Matt Turner, Luca De La Torre, maybe Weston McKinney, Jordan Pifok, and Josh Sargent. As I've said, some of it is goal scoring or the lack of at this point in time, and some of it is injuries. And this is where some of you, some of you will be saying, well, don't make it MLS heavy, the roster. But what happens, folks? What, what happens when you have to rely on MLS rosters or MLS players to come and be part of this World Cup roster. Now let me just say this. As I have said many, many times, I don't care where the players come from, I do not care how they get to the roster as long as they are going to be on the roster. As I have said many, many times, I want the best players on the national team to perform well and do well for our men's national team. I want them to be at their best. I really do. Because I want our best players on the roster. I want our best players to basically go out there on the pitch for 90 minutes against the Welsh, against the English, and the Iranians. And I want them to win. This is not a popularity contest, and that is the problem with the fan base right now. Because no matter who Greg, no matter who Greg Berhalter picks, you'll love it or you'll hate it. Because where they're playing their game, you always wanted to yell for John Brooks, and I want John Brooks on the roster. Yes, I want John Brooks on the roster, but if he's not getting proper minutes, what are we going to do? And let me just say this, one game playing for 60 minutes or more is not enough, not enough to convince me he should already be on the World Cup roster. He has to be a consistent starter or at least being used consistently by his club. And so when we're watching last week on CBS Sports Network or on the Paramount Plus app, the UEFA Champions League pregame show, of course, with Kate Abdo, Thierry Henry, Micah Richardson, Jamie Carragher, and some of the American CBS Sports anchors like Clint Dempsey, Maurice Du, Charlie Davies, and some from the uh, Italian uh, City A ah group like Mike Grella and a few others, and even Peter Schmeichel was there. And believe me, I wish I, I really, really wished I was able to go to Brooklyn uh, to be at uh, the soccer park along the East River. Uh, in Brooklyn. I really really wish I was there. Unfortunately, I'm still recovering from my uh injuries from the uh from uh, the gas gangrene I suffered in my right foot. I'm still uh trying to recover from that. I'm almost there. I should say I'm probably like 85% there, not all the way there yet, but still though, I really wish I was in Brooklyn so I could I could have been there to uh watch and listen, but I did watch uh on CBS Sports Network, and you know Thierry Henry, and I'm not going to get to what he said at the start of the show, but I want to get to what he said during their time uh, showing skills and showing about positions and where you have to be on the pitch to uh, do well. But let me just say what he said about Christian Pulisic. And he basically said that Pulisic needs minutes for Graham Potter to use him more at the same time for the U.S. men's national team to use him more. He needs more minutes to go out there and be at the top of his game. Now, I remember when we've had this argument about Zach Steffen, and I'm on social media. I'm on Twitter. everyone on Twitter who's a U.S. men's National Team fan was telling me, well, he's getting training with the best players in the world. It's enough. No, it's not. That was not enough. And then maybe I would say a couple of months ago, Paul Americas on ESPN, part of ESPN FC, Hercules Gomez, as he and Sebastian Salazar were talking about, you know, Zach Steffen, where, you know, he needs game sharpness because training is not enough. Gee, where did I hear that before? So... Now you have Thierry Henry, and some of you are like poo-pooing him because, well, he wasn't in MLS as a manager, you know, for for a long time in Montreal. He only had like maybe uh, a couple of months into the season before he left. Well, guess what? It does not matter how long Thierry Henry was managing in Montreal. It did not matter how short or how long his stay was with Montreal. The truth is, is that the man knows what he's doing. See, when I covered Thierry Henry as a player for the New York Red Bulls, after his time with Barcelona came to an end, and in one of the seasons he played for the Red Bulls, and it was a home loss to the Columbus crew, what did he say to the media? In that loss, he said that in the mid this will trap was their best player, and how do I know this? Because I'm credentialed to cover the New York Red Bulls. I'm not credentialed to cover any clubs in Europe. I can't even go to Europe right now. I can't. I would love to go to Europe. I would love to live in Europe, you know, if possible and cover uh, clubs in England or in Germany or in Spain or in Italy. Hell, I wouldn't mind going to Glasgow and covering either Rangers, Celtic, or both. No, I'm covering the New York Red Bulls. And whether you want to poo-poo it or not, because I'm an MLS media member. Well, guess what? I am an MLS media member. But the difference is, is that for you... If you're covering Major League Soccer, then you have to cover the U.S. men's national team and the U.S. women's national team. You understand? I'm not Roger Gonzalez who only does U.S. men's national team stories for CBS online. And listen, Roger does a fantastic job. I have nothing against Roger at all. I think Roger Gonzalez does a great job covering American soccer, either the players or the national team does a great job. Everyone does a great job. But the truth is, is that when I cover the Red Bulls, it's only for the Red Bulls. But when I have to cover the men's national team or the women's national team, then I cover the players. That's why this is called the American Soccer Show. That's why I cover all things American soccer, domestic and abroad. I try my best to make this coverage happen. It does not matter where they play, but it does matter that they get their minutes. And now, now, with all of the negativity that you guys have been looking for, all the negativity against MLS, all the negativity against MLS players, you know, let me just say this. If more than half are not going to make the World Cup roster due to injury, guess where you're going to have to find American soccer players to fill those spots, are ready to go? Major League Soccer. You can pick anybody in a hat that's abroad in Europe. You can pull something out of your rear end to say, let's get that guy. And that's what I've been doing with Josh Cohen. But no, you food him because he plays in Israel in a league that's two steps below what goes on in the top four in Europe. But you know what? It doesn't matter because he's getting first-team minutes. You can ignore the fact that he's getting first-team minutes, but the truth of the matter is this. He is getting the time to start. He is the starting goalkeeper in the UEFA Champions League. He is getting minutes that is all I am saying. That's all I've ever said. That's all I have ever, ever said. they got to get minutes. Because you want them to go far, you want them to go on a run, guess what? That's what's going to have to happen. And if you don't like seeing a heavy MLS U.S. men's national team roster, that's not Berhalter's fault that there's injuries. And that's something you just don't want to understand. Injuries. It's going to happen. Going to happen. And if you don't like it, well, guess what? Tough. And if you're already poo-pooing that we're going to go three and out because of injured players that are playing abroad and you don't trust MLS players, well, then guess what? You folks are in the wrong and you don't know what the hell you're talking about. It is time, it is time to go out and just admit it, you need those players, we need those players, we need them from anywhere, domestically or abroad, to be a part of this World Cup run, if they're going to have one. Ladies and gentlemen, this past Sunday uh, afternoon and evening, the MLS Cup playoffs uh, conference finals were done in the East and the West. We have our two, uh, two teams to face each other in the final this coming Saturday, which will be at, uh, in downtown Los Angeles as LAFC will host Philadelphia Union. First, we go to the Eastern Conference Final Championship as the Philadelphia Union defeated New York city FC by a final of three goals to one joining me once again from the brotherly game of SB nation covering the union, Greg Oldfield and Oldfield and Greg, uh, you know, Philly wanted revenge. You got it. And you're finally going to
1: the Eastern conference final. Yes. Great. Great feeling. Uh, thanks for having me on again, Daniel. Um, it's, it was a late night. It was a late night. It was a tough getting up this morning. Um, but what a what a night it was. It was just a fantastic game and a fantastic moment for the Philly fans and for the players, for the coaches. You could just you could tell even after the game, um, just how much it meant to everyone. Everyone involved. The fans, all the way everyone through the organization. It's just um just a tremendous feeling, tremendous accomplishment and just just a cool thing to be a part Conference of.
0: Final. And once again we know uh COVID I'm sorry. I know. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, As I was trying to say, we know COVID ravaged the roster uh, for uh, the union last year and and last year's Eastern Conference Final. Do do, do you feel that they finally got revenge for that loss from last year? I think it is. I think it's a
1: little bit of redemption. I think, you know, last year – it, for it, it was a different team. This is, this is a different it's a different team. It's just um, you know, even with the COVID, I, I still thought last year that New York was probably the better team. Just I think Philly being at home was a, a different beast last year, but they they're a better team this year than they were last year. so I, I, I knew it was going to be a good game. I knew, I knew the game was going to be the game that we saw, but I think the big difference here was just the way that the union turned the game around. I don't know if they had the firepower last year offensively to do that. Um, and, and this year, it's just been the way their season's gone. They just – they've always been so good defensively, but they, just the way that they can turn the game around offensively is just a new – it's just a new edge for them. And I, I think it's definitely redemption. I, you could tell the players, especially the ones who missed out. There were so many of them that missed out. You know, Andre Blake was talking about that, how you know he didn't get to be a part of that. And it was important for him to be involved in that game last night. And, and, you know, again, he stepped up in a big way. So it, it definitely felt no, he really like did. revenge. No, I agree
0: with you there. And I mean, that was, I think the missing piece right there because Andre Blake had a hell of a first half. I mean, just to keep the union alive and as NYCFC did push the game a little bit, uh, you know, for their advantage, but still though, I always say with Andre Blake and I've, Mentioned this many, many times, you know, I I respect his game. I think he's one of the best goalkeepers in the league. Um, His positioning is fantastic. He knows how to keep the union alive in any game uh, possible, no matter what level it is or which competition you play in. Andre Blake is definitely going to be the one to save the union so that they can get those goals being put in the back of the opposition's net.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're... um... Just you know this morning just breaking down that ten minute period after after New York scored, New York scored you know just a phenomenal goal, and they really hadn't had that many good looks up until that moment and then a few minutes after that, they had that chance uh, where Callens had the header, and Blake just made a phenomenal save and thats you know that's what he does you know he he that's how he changes the game, and both coaches even alluded to that after the game, but that was that was a you know, a turning point of the game, because if that, you know, that that goal goes in, I mean, it's a different game. It's a different game. He makes a big save and then you can go down and and score two goals in in two minutes. And it's just, and it starts from, it starts from Andre Blake. That's, that's what he can do. He can, he can change a game with one save and he's done it so many times, but to be able to do it on again on a big stage like this, is just what makes him a special player.
0: Yep, sorry about that. I was trying to say was um, uh, after Maxi Morales buried the ball uh, to make it 1-0 for New York City FC, uh, you got two goals in the span of three minutes. Uh, uh, Carranza levels it in the 65th, and then Gazdag gets the game winner in the 67th. And, you know, he's been there for two years already, including this year. How important has Gazdag been for the Union?
1: he's been phenomenal and you know, a lot was talked about him last year when he came over, he basically played a full season in Hungary and then jumped right into an MLS season. So, you know, there's the adjustment period and, and it took him some time to adjust and he even admitted it was just a lot of things on the field, off the field. It just took him some time. And this year he had a full off season, came back and he's been phenomenal since the start of the season. You know, he's still, still getting time with Hungary and, He's just had an incredible year. He's just exactly what you would want your number ten to do. I mean, he, and he's just at the right place at the right time. He's got such a nose for the goal, and you know, again, he's he, in everybody's mind. He should be one of those MVP candidates, and I think there's there's a little bit of a chip on his shoulder when he when he plays now, knowing that he should be considered, and he wasn't. So not surprised by his performance. I mean, he's he's had a lot of those games this year.
0: No, he really has, and you know, he's come up big many, many times, either getting that game-winning goal, or the tying goal, or at least adding on to the score sheet, so that's been great, and of course, Corey Burke, uh, about 11 minutes later on, gets the third goal, and you know, he's been pretty clutch coming off the bench uh, whenever he's been able to, because we know how, how big of a player Corey Burke is to
1: Jim Curtin. Yeah, Corey's had some terrific games. And, you know, the one thing that the union really haven't had a whole lot of was players that can come off the bench. And he's really established himself within the last couple months as, as the guy off the bench. And what a what a spark he brought last night. I mean, that thing started happening when he came on the field. And it, it, it's good. That, he, that last goal, I mean, he just completely overpowered the New York defense. I mean, it's like just sheer, just sheer will. You know, he he just deserved to score a goal just, uh, and just did everything he possibly could to just make it happen. And that's, that's what you need. You need players like that if you're going to win an MLS Cup.
0: Absolutely. How tough was it to see Alejandro Bedoya leave? I mean, I know he's been great since coming over uh, from French League on for Nantes, uh, coming to the Union. He's been your captain. And uh, that must have been tough to see him getting subbed out with injury and stuff.
1: Yeah, it was tough, you know, and even uh, after the game, you know, in the locker room, you could just see he was in pain. Um, unfortunately, I mean, with that kind of an injury, there's, I mean, I doubt that he'll play next week. There's just, I don't see a recovery time where he's able to play. Um, he has meant so much to this organization since he's come here. He's an incredible leader, an incredible person. And you saw the way he was out there gutting it out, you know, like he probably should have come off 20 minutes. 25 minutes into the game, and he just, you know, stuck it out there. He kept working, kept fighting, knowing that he was going to come off at halftime. And and that, that's, again, that's, that's just a thing that you want from your captain. He's going to go out there. He's going to give it his all, knowing that, you know, this could very well be his last moments of the season. And, you know, nobody – I mean, you'd, you'd expect nothing less from the guy. He's just been an incredible leader.
0: very, very- – Um, what does it say about Jim Curtin? I mean, we know how the Union have gone through all their head coaches in the past and uh, certain things kind of did, and then it kind of didn't work out. Since Jim Curtin has taken over, what can you say about his tenure as head coach of the Union?
1: I mean, the, the job that he has done is um, – I, I don't know if there's any coach in Philly sports that, that's done a better job. To be honest, I mean, when he, when he took over, you know, he was a, and he even admits he's, he was a, you know, an unproven head coach. He was kind of learning on the job, thrust into the, thrust into the role. Uh, when Ernst Tanner came in, I mean, you would almost expect Ernst Tanner to come in and, you know, kind of give him his, his fair shake, but maybe in the back of his mind have, have his own plan. And Jim Curtin has coached his way into his own success. And, I think the players respect him, the, the people love him. He's, he's a, you know, a player's coach. He's a good guy. And just the way that he's been able to, you know, produce a winner, a local kid, a local player, um, leading his local team is, is, is it's just very rare. And it's, um, you can see when he talks too how much it means to him to be in charge of this team um, and, and, and win in this city.
0: Yep. It really, really does. Um, and I guess with Jim, are you a little worried that, you know, maybe after this world cup, we don't know what's gonna happen with Greg Berhalter, but do you feel Jim Curtin is a candidate for the U S men's national team head coaching job if, and when Greg Berhalter uh, ends his tenure?
1: Um, you know, my gut feeling is that he's got his sights on something different. Uh, I, I, I mean, to me, to be honest, I don't think the national team job is really uh, appealing. <laughs> I mean, I, I I could see him maybe doing something like what Jesse Marsh did and testing testing the testing the European market. Um, I I just don't know if the national team is as an impactful job as as it sounds like. I feel like it's um, you know you really don't see the players a whole lot. You really don't have control over them year round. You're you're you know leading them in certain windows and trying to mesh together different styles. I mean, I, I just think the national team coach is a different different beast altogether. I mean, I would see him if he was going to leave MLS, going somewhere in Europe and trying to establish himself in a, a European league somewhere.
0: Mhm. Nope. I gotta tell you, it just sounds like uh, you got yourself a winner there with Jim Curtin. So before I let you go. As I've said already, you're going to take on LAFC in the final this coming Saturday. Um, What, If you can foreshadow or at least preview the match, what do you think Philly needs to do against LAFC, and what do you think they have to try and stop LAFC from doing?
1: I I think for the Union, the big thing is scoring first. Um, They're going to lock down defensively, uh, and they've scored first in most of the games that they've played in. And they scored first against L.A. Uh, and they, they, they had two leads against L.A. when they played them earlier this year. So I think for them, getting on the board first is going to be huge. But, you know, I think L.A. has some firepower, and, and they are they're so good going forward. But I, I really feel like the union are going to try to make this an ugly game. They're going to press. They're going to they're work hard defensively. They're going to give up very little. I think, um, you know, we saw that in the New York game where New York only had really one good chance and they, they happened to score. I, I think they're going to try to limit those chances. They're going to really restrict that final third and make it difficult for LAFC to get any good chances. So I really see them locking down defensively and trying to trying to win this in a, a one nothing game.
0: That's right, and we'll see what happens moving forward. Listen, Greg, thank you again for joining me. And Greg... Next Monday we'll review this, and hopefully you'll be available.
1: Oh yeah, we, we we're, we're, absolutely anytime. Thanks, I appreciate it.
0: All right, thank thank you, I appreciate it as well. You have a good night.
1: All right, you too. Bye. Thank
0: you, Greg Oldfield from the Brotherly Game of SB Nation covering the Philadelphia Union, and now joining me, enjoying this victory. Of course, now. Now she writes for the site called Heart of LAFC. This is the one and only Araceli Villanueva with the 3-0 victory by LAFC over Austin FC. Araceli, welcome back. And you know what? I know Austin had the two victories in the regular season over LAFC, but it sounds like revenge was in the play of of, uh, the hometown side and you finally got it.
2: Oh, yes definitely last night was definitely a a match for the books. And I know I kind of say this more or less on a regular basis now, but LESC never ceases to amaze me. They continue to raise the bar every season, every match now. And now after the victory over Austin FC, they stamped their ticket to their first run at the MLS Cup. You know, I got to
0: say – that I mean, we always talked about uh, Steve Cherundolo and his managing style and his tactics, but I gotta say, um, what he has really done with this club to get them to go I, from Bob Bradley to him and to maintain um, either uh, a press or a physical style, a, a demanding style. I mean, it looks like they've never changed. It looks like they've just been maybe more determined to go out there and to really show the league and everyone in MLS why they are, uh, you know, one of the
2: better clubs in the current
0: era of MLS right now.
2: Well, there's no doubt that this team definitely has that winning spirit this season, and I think I even mentioned this on the show last week, that when it comes to Steve Scherundelow, there was a little bit of hesitancy in the sense of he he was coming into this club with limited coaching experience, but we've seen what his coaching abilities are of how he can take a roster and not only turn it into a winning team, but you know, using all the pieces of it, even considering a large – well, I don't – I guess you could say somewhat of a large uh, turnover mid-season with the new additions. Um, <clears throat> but given that – you could just tell in the team that they wanted this. And with the new additions, like RCB pairing of Keolini and Murillo and even Bowanga up front. They were very quick to isolate Austin, who was known for their attacking style, and definitely helped serve that sweet revenge.
0: Um, I mean, obviously, Bale hasn't done much. He's been injured most of the time, and he's been trying to get that, fit, that fitness back since uh, he ended his tenure with Real Madrid. But are you surprised how well Chiellini has actually fit within the defensive on that back line?
2: I wouldn't say that I'm surprised, but I am uh, curious to see how Chiellini will uh, continue to improve with the team moving forward. But with that being said, I mean, he integrated with the team fairly quickly. He's doing very uh, very well, not only on the back line, but also just kind of keeping up that team spirit. And he's always continuously motivating the guys both on the pitch and off the pitch, like you'll see it occasionally, he'll he'll kind of act as like the assistant coach because you can see him on the sidelines, just continuously giving the guys advice and just helping to motivate them.
0: No, he really has, and I think that's a very good thing to have a veteran like him to not only assist the backline but to help out the goalkeeper. I mean, Maxime Crapeau, uh, in, in my opinion, obviously, is the future goalkeeper for the Canadian men's national team uh, once Boreon uh, calls it a career for the international side. But uh, he's been solid uh, for you as well as, uh, I think, uh, yeah, he's been solid for you as a goalkeeper, and he's done very well.
2: Oh, yes, Krapou uh, has definitely done very well for LFC in the goal because I mean, you know, the club's history, they've had a bit of a rotation when it's come to the goalkeepers for the last couple of seasons and to see a consistency on the keepers and having Max in that starting role has just been a joy to watch.
0: No, he really has been. And it's been great to see, you know, even though Austin is their second season in MLS, they've never ever put the ball in the back of their own net the way they did by mistake L.A.F.C. I mean, you have to give them an assist, even though they don't want it. Uh, (laughs) You gotta gotta admit that was. was really a tough one for them to swallow.
2: I'm sorry, you kind of cut out there for a little bit. We're you were talking about Austin's own goal? Are you there? I'm here.
0: I'm sorry, but I don't think caught my uh, my question. But I was going to say, you know, uh, Austin FC they uh, they found a way uh, to help LAFC out with that two nil lead by Aruti with the own goal. Obviously, uh, you know they you know if you want to give them a assist, you go right ahead. But uh, just for them to bury that chance for you must have been really really hard by them. But you know you'll take it no matter what.
2: Oh sure, I- I'm sure that. Austin fans are going to look at that replay and kind of question of how can Yerudi come straight off the bench and score the own goal, but obviously from an LAFC perspective, hey, any help is uh, greatly appreciated. Given the fact that especially like Bawanga's, um stoppage time goal was called back for being offside, I don't know if you want to call it a hot take, but after seeing that replay. I don't see how it was called back for offside, but that's just my own opinion. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Now, I, no, I agree with you there, but look, this is that's what it is. VAR could have called something else, but uh, thankfully did not. Um, and uh, obviously, Orongo does it again, scores the opening goal in the 29th minute, and then we talked about the own goal, and then, of course, uh, Opoku, found the third goal found the back of the net in the 81st minute and then from that point on it was party time over at the stadium. Mhm.
2: Yes, uh Tito definitely came through. Uh, as I mentioned on the show before, he kind of did have a little bit of a drought, you know, going into the conference finals, but now to see him back in his uh winning performance is absolutely great for him to get that opening goal and just kind of start the oh, how I would how would I word this? The mood of the old game. We go to Jungle and then Okoku just made that immediate impact, fresh off the bench. Not even ten minutes into the game. Ori scores the game winner. I mean he just had all the ingredients for a perfect match.
0: Absolutely. And boy I gotta tell you it was really a lot of fun to watch that game uh, live and uh, just wonderful to see what uh, LAFC was able to accomplish over Austin FC. How, how difficult has Austin been before the victory in the playoffs against them? I mean, to me, Steve Trundle versus Josh Wolf, that had to be a very big battle of wits between those two managers.
2: I think it was definitely a big battle in the sense of given the history of the season. I mean, you've already mentioned it. Austin had two wins over LAFC going into yesterday's match. So there was a sense of not only was LAFC seeking out revenge, but this kind of figuring out the system and how uh, Sharundalo could use the right players to not only isolate Austin, to get that winning result, and we saw that perfectly yesterday.
0: Mm-hmm. We really, really did, and I gotta say, um, they really did a, a good job uh, on the Sunday afternoon. Well, early noon time for you, and uh, three to four o'clock in the afternoon here on the East Coast. So uh, it was really a. Uh, uh, a splendid afternoon of soccer in downtown Los Angeles, and uh, we'll see what happens in the, uh, in the final. Now, I do understand that USC will be playing uh, a college football game on the same day as the LAFC in the MLS Cup final, so uh, the whole area is going to be jam-packed, filled with sports. Uh, how difficult will that be for everyone?
2: I think it would be more difficult for the fans, honestly. Uh, That was part of the conversation on how would it be handled if LEFC were to advance for the final. And so far that I've seen, um, the fans, unfortunately, won't be able to park at Expo Park like they normally would for a regular match day. They'll now be uh, deterred to other parking areas so we're already kind of seeing the chaos of it, if you want to call it that. But overall, I mean, just to have that home field advantage, it, it shouldn't reflect too much for USC. It's just like I mentioned, you know, it would just be more of a headache for fans and in trying to figure out the traffic and parking and so on.
0: Now, I do assume there is a uh... – uh, besides the bus, there is a form of rail public transportation where they can
2: walk over. I believe correct. There is. It's the L.A. Metro. The um, it picks up at Union Station and it goes right over to Expo Park, and there's uh, obviously other pickup locations. So I just highly recommend you know looking up the Metro if you're planning to use that as your main uh, form of transportation. Otherwise. I see others kind of like myself. You know, I will be using Lyft, but all forms are used.
0: (laughs) Well, well, hopefully they'll be using public transportation to get over there or at least park close to any form of rail uh, transportation to get to Union Station so you can get over to the Expo Park Station if you can. And one thing's for sure, there will be tons of money to the uh, L.A. Metro Department of Transit and uh, maybe we'll give them uh, an extra helping hand here on the show as well. Um, and of course, you're taking on the Philadelphia Union, who defeated New York City FC. What does LAFC need to do to stop the Union, and at the same time, what do they need to do to beat the Union?
2: I think LAFC just needs to do what they've keep it what they've been doing. Just keep the pressure on, keep the possession, and hopefully you know, minimize the small, um, excuse me, minimize the small spaces. Don't allow Philadelphia to uh, get on the counter. Because looking at the past, very similar situation to Austin. LESC has faced the Union once this season back in May. It ended in a tie to the change, you know, previewing Austin. At the time, we did not have Kiolini or Bangura, Arteo. So I see another similar performance compared to what we saw yesterday.
0: Absolutely. And for those of you that are not aware about the Gold Cup Final, it will be played at SoFi Stadium uh, over in Inglewood, California. I don't think it's that far away of course, that's where the original uh, Great Western Forum was. Uh, still is there. Uh, so how happy to for you to hear that uh, Gold Cup final for next summer will be uh, in California.
2: Oh, very excited to hear the news. I mean, any type of final that gets to come to L.A. is always great, not only for us, but for the community and the city as a whole. So to see the Gold Cup in L.A. in July is going to be an exciting time, especially at SoFi with the brand-new facility. It is just going to be
0: uh, great to see. That's going to be great to see as well. Well, Aricelli, guess what? Uh, this coming Saturday, for Eastern, 1 Pacific, it will be the 2022 MLS Cup Championship Final, LAFC hosting the Philadelphia Union. Thank you as always. I hope to have you again next Monday, and uh, as always, I appreciate your time coming on the show, and have a good night, and I'll talk to you again soon.
2: Thank you for having
0: me on, and I look forward to talking to you after the final. All right. Have a good night. <laughs> you too. Thank you. Araceli Villanueva from Heart of LAFC website. As once again, it will be on Fox National as LAFC hosts the Philadelphia Union for Eastern One Pacific to see who will win the 2022. Cup Championship now, because both the Union and LAFC finished first in their respective conferences. That means the autumn, the fourth and final spot representing MLS will be filled by Austin FC due to the fact that LAFC are the Supporters' champions of 2022. The Philadelphia Union came in second. Austin FC came in third in the Supporters' Shield table. So that means it's going to be Austin, LAFC, Philadelphia Union, and Orlando City will be the four MLS American representatives going to the 2023 CONCACAF Champions League. And that will be the last time they're going to be sending four participants into the Champions League as the next tournament will be 0304, and that will be the extended edition with that opening round, adding more teams coming from North America in the League's Cup now and other means of qualification. So can't wait to uh, see that, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun when we get to Champions League action, so it's going to be great. Second round of qualification from uh, this month in October, which was on the 15th and 16th uh, for both the East and the West qualification sides for the 2023 U.S. Open Cup by our amateur squads. First things first, Queensborough FC2 falls to Oyster Bay United by a, a score of four goals to one. TCSA falls to South Carolina United Heat, four goals to nil. FC Birmingham falls to Kalanji Pro Profile 5-1. Valhalla FC falls to Metro Louisville FC 1-0. Brockton FC United defeats Boston Street FC 1-0. Santa Cruz FC has forfeited their match, which means U-Nations FC advances to the third round. Florida Premier FC defeats Gainesville City FC 2-1. Orlando FC Wolves falls to Club De Leon 3-1. Nova FC, Northern Virginia FC, defeats Germantown City FC 6-0. Bowling Green FC falls to Beeman United FC 3-1. Naples City FC defeats Naples United FC 4-0. Uh, Viery, I always have trouble saying their name. I'm trying to do my best. Vereen Gong Erzgebirge, 2-0 victory over Lancaster. Elite, United German-Hungarians falls to Westchester, Un- Westchester United SC 4-0. The New York Greek-Americans fall to Lansdowne-Yonkers 4- uh, 3-0. Tobacco Road FC defeats Mint Hill FC 3-1. Sahara Gunners FC falls to IASC Boom 3-1. Jackson Lions FC falls to SV Vistula garfield 2-1. Hurricane FC falls to City Soccer FC 2-0. Miami Soccer Academy defeats Juventus Academy 3-1. Inter Soccer Association falls to Miami United FC 5-0. DC FC, Washington, D.C., that is. And Christos FC goes 1-1 through regulation and extra time. But is DC FC defeating Christos in penalties 5-4. And Chicago House AC... And 1927 SC, it's a 1-1 draw through regulation extra time. But Chicago House defeats 1927 SC four goals to three in the penalty kick shootout in the West. Azteca FC defeats FC Denver 4-1. Alamo City Soccer Club falls to defeaters kicks 2-3. D10 Lions SC defeats Houston FC 3-2. Laguna United falls to Capo FC 4-1, Real San Jose falls to Inter San Francisco 4-0, Elk Grove Blues falls to Davis Legacy FC 2-1, UDA Soccer defeats Coronado Athletic Club 4-0, Escondido FC defeats Outbreak FC 1-0, Olympians FC defeats Valley FC Raiders 2-0, Athletic Club of Sloan's Lake defeats Boulder United FC 2-1. Modesto City Football Club falls to Battleborn FC 4-2. Orange County FC demolishes Temecula FC 7-1. Belleville Athletic Club falls to Legend Football Gold 1-0. And finally, LA Monsters FC falls to Desert FC 4-1. And now the schedule for November the 19th and Sunday, November the 20th, for the amateur clubs who are going to be participating in the third round of qualification for the U.S. Open Cup, in the East on Saturday, Brockton FC United will face U Nations FC. Club Delrayon will be hosting Florida Premier FC. Metro Louisville FC hosting Chicago House AC. SC Visalia Garfield will be hosting IASC Boom. That comes out of Rochester, New York. Lansdowne Yonkers hosts Oyster Bay United. Gung Gungarsgeburg hosting Westchester United SC. South Carolina United Heat hosting Tobacco Road FC. Kalanji Pro Profile hosting Beeman United FC. Miami Soccer Academy hosting Naples City FC. Miami United FC hosting City Soccer FC. And DC FC hosting Northern Virginia FC, also known as Nova FC. In the West, the Feeder's Kicks will be hosting D10 Lions. Orange County FC hosts Escondido. UDA Soccer hosts Olympians FC. Athletic Club of Sloans Lake hosts Azteca FC, Inter San Francisco hosts Davis Legacy SC, Desert FC hosting Capo FC, and Legend Football Gold hosting Battleborn FC. And that means when you get to December, nine amateur clubs will be advancing to the opening round and the first round draw of the 2023 Lamar Hunt US Open Cup. Three matches in the West, there will be five matches in the East, and there will be one club in the East who will be facing one club in the West to make up that final spot in December to see who will advance to the opening round of the 2023 Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. That's going to be exciting, that's going to be a lot of fun, and don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, the US will be your source for keeping track through Twitter and on their website to find out who will advance to the first round draw of the 2023 Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. So it's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. And I cannot wait to see what's going to happen. And once again, this coming Saturday, November the 5th at 4 o'clock Eastern, 1 o'clock Pacific, Los Angeles Football Club hosting the Philadelphia Union on Fox. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun, and I know I cannot wait to see what's going to happen Saturday afternoon on the East Coast, Saturday afternoon on the West Coast. I want to thank my guests tonight. I want to thank Greg Oldfield from the Brotherly Game of SB Nation and Araceli Villanueva from Heart of LAFC. My name is Daniel Foyerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Take care so long and bye-bye for now.